Good morning. We had a packed house on Memorial Day weekend. How many of you guys have done any traveling like last week or you got travel plans for the future or you're traveling here, you're not normally even in, in these parts? Yeah, a lot of people have been moving around on Memorial Weekend. Uh, that's exciting. And we have our kids with us today and that's because it's the fifth Sunday out of the month. And so we invite our kids to come in and worship with us. And so I'm glad to be here with the kids. I was kind of a, a pain in the neck uh, as a kid. And I don't know about you, have you ever heard someone tell you this, what are we going to do with you? <laughs> Raise your hand, anybody ever been told, what are we going to do with you? At some point, whoever was watching you was so perplexed that they just, I don't know what we're going to do with you. And that's where Paul gets he gets to that point in our passage today, and we're in Galatians. And so if you haven't been here or you forgot what's been going on in the last month and a half, we're in Galatians. And our series title is called Liberty to Love. And we reach this point today in our passage where there's like a, a, a big pivot. And we're going to talk about that. And so I want to read the entire passage through. And I don't know, another thing about being um, a kid, well... Maybe I'm still, I think I'm still like this. I'm kind of scatterbrained. And what's awesome about our passage today is Paul gets to this place where he's so perplexed and he, he's done this big, long argument. And now he gets to this point where he's just, it's almost like he's emoting. And he's almost, almost to the point of, of begging and pleading. And, uh, and in that moment, we'll see that he's, he's like kind of all over the place which is great for me, but might be hard to follow. And so uh, we'll just pray now and ask that God will speak to us through his word and help us to, um, to grab something that we can, we can begin to own and, and to live and that God would ultimately use this morning to encourage our hearts and, and, and move us towards him, okay? So if you pray with me, Heavenly Father, we ask um, in the name of your son Jesus that you would use your word to speak to us, to speak to our hearts. And I pray that we would be encouraged, Lord, by Paul, uh, by, his, by his message to the Galatians, and also by his testimony uh, and his model. So, Lord, we give these things to you, and we ask for your blessing. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so if you would turn to Galatians chapter 4, we are at verse 8. And it's going to be on the screens behind me. So, verse 8. But in the past, but in the past, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and bankrupt elemental forces? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You observe special days, months, seasons, and years. I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. I beg you, brothers, become like me, for I also became like you. You have not wronged me. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a physical illness. You did not despise or reject me, though my Physical condition was a trial for you. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Jesus Christ himself. 
what happened to this sense of being blessed you had. For I testify to you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? They are enthusiastic about you, but not for any good. Instead, they want to isolate you so that you will be enthusiastic about them. Now, it's always good to be enthusiastic about good, and not just when I'm with you, my children. I am, I'm again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. And that's our passage today. What are we going to do with you? But actually, as we dive into it, we're going to kind of break it into two like, kind of like glances. We're going to look at it from one way and then go back and look at it another way. The one way we're going to look at it is what is Paul trying to say to the churches and how is he, uh, what, what kind of behaviors is he asking the church uh, to, to, mm, to value? He's kind of finishing a, a defense, basically like a, a defensiveness. Like, don't do, it's like warning. Let's say it's a warning. Don't do this. If you do this, this, look what's going to happen. This is why it's so ridiculous for you to do what you're doing and, and where you're going. And then we're going to look at it another way. We're going to look at Paul's, um, what we get from, from Paul's model and his, uh, basically, what can we, encouragement can we gain from what Paul was going through and the way that he's, uh, his heart is towards his church uh, that he loves so much. So we have three sections. So the first section is, the verses 8 through 11. And so our title of the section is Keep Your Freedom. Formerly, but in the past, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now since you know God, or rather become known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and bankrupt elemental forces? You want to be enslaved to them all over again. You observe special days, months, seasons, and years. I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. Okay, so he's basically saying, you guys remember what you had, and it was like slavery. It was like being slaves because... Uh, and that reminds me of different parts of the Bible. It talks about being uh, slaves to the, to the flesh, you know. And uh, if something's controlling you, then you're a slave to that, to that thing. And they did not have Christ. So he's saying, do you really want to go back to a time where you did not have Jesus, where you did not know Jesus? Is that really where you want to be? Because every, all you're left with there is yourself and your own ability to try to piece things together and your own way to try to, try to gain favor with, with the Lord. You want to go, go back to this place where there was no, there was no hope, there was no promise of, of eternal life. Why would you want to go back to this slavery? Because you have a freedom now, and you're going to have to work to keep that freedom. Because you're giving up freedoms left and right here. 
You're giving up your freedom. And you're going to need to try to retain, get back to the freedom that you have in Christ because everything that these people are offering you are weighing you down. It reminded me of the Proverbs 26, 11, a dog returns to its vomit and so a fool repeats his folly. Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. And it's like, you've been there before. You've been without Jesus. You know what it's like to live without Christ in your life. Why do you want to go back there? Keep your freedom. Paul wraps up right here. He kind of pivots. As we move into verse 12, I already told you, I call this whole sermon the long rebuke because we get finally to the end of his warnings and his, his arguments that he keeps putting together basically to, to expose the, the folly, the, the foolishness of what they're trying to, what they're tending toward. And so he starts to use this, this personal appeal as he pivots into his, like kind of his request section of the letter where he this is what I want you to do here's a better way forward here is the way forward don't go that way try this this is what I taught you a long time ago let's let's go this direction so verses 12 to 16 our next section he's basically saying don't despise the messenger I plead with you brothers and sisters become like me and what's interesting is this is the first like, exhortation of our, of, our, of our book, in a way. I plead with you. But it's a, this pleading, this is different coming from Paul. You know, like, he's, that word pleading is a little bit more desperate than other ways that he could have said it. I plead with you, brothers and sisters. Become like me. For I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Jesus Christ himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? Can I, I can testify back then, if, if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? <laughs> and don't, don't despise the messenger. You don't turn your back on me. And remember back then when I was there and I was with you, remember what that was like? Do you remember when you received Christ and when you accepted the gospel and the joy that you had and accompanied by the spirit and the power and... And the way you guys treated me then, it's like, what, what is going on? There's something wrong here. It's actually really difficult for um, all the smart people who write books, the commentators, uh, to pin down exactly all these things that he's referring to. You know, and as I read it, I think, oh, yeah, that kind of reminds me of this and that. And like, you know, the thorn in Paul's flesh. Was that like his eyesight? You know, we even see Paul... Like, look at which big letters I write to you at some of his letters. And so we know Paul had trouble with his eyes, and it's mentioned here. You would have tore out your eyes and given them to me if you could have. And like maybe that's this physical thing that 
Paul was going through uh, when he was ministering to the Galatians. And Paul's referring back to this, and he's like, he's like, do you remember? I mean, yeah, like, and I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Like, maybe his eyes were, like, gouging out of his head or, like, pussing and, like, running down his face. I don't know. Why was this a, a trial, to, uh, trial to the Galatians? I don't know. But you can speculate just like I just did, and we'll both be wrong or right, and it doesn't matter. Because that's not what the point is, right? So there's a lot of little things that are referenced here, and, and people, for, you know, they, they could debate, like, well, was it this exact moment? Was it this exact moment? Was it this thing? And there's a lot of things that uh, it's, well, you, you might be right. Maybe his eye was pussing. Uh, but, like, we don't know exactly, because this is all he says really about it. All right? But there, but we, there was this experience. He was basically wanting them to go back to that place, to those moments, to remember what it was like. And like, what was it like when you first were introduced to the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Christ? And you embraced it, you received it. And you said, yeah, God, I have messed up things in my life and my attitudes have been wrong and I've been going my own way. And you, you repent and you say, but I want to embrace what your, what your son did on the cross for me as a covering of my sin. And can you remember what it felt like to know that your sins are forgiven and that Jesus Christ loves you and that he is for you and he's given his spirit so that you can live in that freedom. Do you, go back to those, those days and that's what Paul was saying. Go back. Don't you remember what this was like? But now you, now you treat me like I'm a... How can you treat me like this? Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? You know, a rebuke from a friend is a good thing. Whoa. It's a good thing. That got loud all of a sudden. Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Right? All right, so we're looking at, uh, what do we learn from Paul's instructions to the Galatian churches? We're taking this passage, breaking it into three. So we've talked about, uh, oh, I already forgot the first one. Keep your freedom. And now, we talked about, don't despise the messenger. And our third one is, guard your heart. So we'll read that again, 16 to 20. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? 17. They are enthusiastic about you, but not for any good. Enthusiastic about you. They're enthusiastic about you. Okay. What does this mean? But not for any good. Instead, they want to isolates you so that you'll be enthusiastic about them. Now, it's always good to be enthusiastic about good, and not just when I'm with you. So, I want to just stop right there. I'm going to read it in the NIV. It says, those people are zealous to win you over. They're zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, so that you can have zeal for them. All right, so there's something happening, and I said guard your heart. I, I titled the little section guard your heart because 
Paul's basically saying people want you. People want you. They want what you have. Let's maybe, instead of saying people, like, I'm not trying to make you, like, scared of your neighbor. You know what I mean? Like, what do you want? What do you want? But when people are giving you a message, or let's say you're watching TV and there's an advertisement, or they're putting things on the shelf, you know, at eye level, depending on how old you are, kids, right? You know, they, they do that on purpose. They know how tall you are, kids. And so they put the candy right there where you can see it. Or maybe it's right, and it's bigger candy and more expensive. So as you're, you know, now you're like three, and then you're five, and six, and eight, nine, candy just gets more and more expensive. So that when you're in line with mom and dad, you know, or grandpa, grandma, just like, can I have, can I have? And you used to want this, but you don't even want that anymore. Now you want, because they, they know you, they, they want you, and they want you to want them. They want you to want what they have. So think about this, though, because it, I believe it's true that these people who have influenced and infiltrated uh, the, the Christian ranks and the Christian leadership in the churches of Galatia, we've been calling them the Judaizers, he says they're just, they're trying, they want you to be zealous about them so that you're no longer zealous about Jesus. They want you to, they want what you have. They want your simplicity. They want, you know, and what do people want from us? They want our, they want our purity. They want our affections. And again, I don't mean people necessarily, except for people create systems. And so we could say the world wants you, and they want what you have, and they want you to want what they have. The Judaizers. Judaizers who were influencing their Christian thought were saying, we want you to desire greatly what we have, because look what we have. We have structure and we have rules. I don't, I guess that was an appeal. (laughs) Doesn't fit my personality. (laughs) But in a way they were jealous, or you could say zealous, for the Galatians, they wanted the Galatians to adopt their system, their way of thinking, the way that they've chosen to live, the way that they think is the best way to follow Jesus, the songs that they sing, and you know, they wanted them to want their system. We have to be careful to guard our heart because there are, there are people and there are systems and there is a culture that is wanting you, and they, it wants your heart. It wants what you have. It wants your purity. It wants your simplicity. It wants your, it, it just, it, and they want you to want it. They want your affection, and they want your attention. They want your praise, and we have to guard our heart. We have to guard our heart because there are plenty of voices calling at us, Right? Okay, so we got to be careful that we're not itching all the time for flattery. Itching for flattery. Romans 16, 17 to 19. Look at this. Let's just read verse, okay, let's read, is it up there? Just 18? Okay, so we're going to read only 18. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ 
but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Proverbs 28, 23, whoever rebukes a person will in the end get, gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. And flattery is interesting because we know flattery works. You know what I mean? Like if I wanted you to buy, let's say I was selling, what am I selling? I'm going to sell irons. I'm selling irons and I knock on your door and I look at this iron. By the way, I love your dress. This iron can iron your dress like no other iron. You know what I mean? And I would say something flattery to create in them a desire to listen to me longer and to, you know, I know that you care about poor college students who have no food, you know, and appeal to their desire to meet a need. You know what I mean? We use flattery in all of our sales pitches. You know what I mean? And uh, so, like, but flattery works. Flattery was being used as a tactic to say, oh, you guys, I know you love Jesus. How about you love Jesus this way? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, at any, at any rate, that's what's there, and Paul's warning them, guard your heart, because zeal is fine. It's great to be zealous, but you got to make sure that you're zealous for the right thing. I mean, how many things do people in our, you know, that you know, okay, maybe even yourself, you get, we call it a soapbox, right? And when you're on your soapbox, I mean, here we go. I'm zealous about what this is, and, you know, you listen to me because I'm on my soapbox. And, uh, but, like, the thing is, what are we on our soapbox about? You know what I mean? Like, what is the purpose that, that we're, we're advocating so hardly for, that all of our posts are filled with? You know what I mean? Is it Jesus? Is it grace? Is it truth? All right, so now that we've looked at what we got from Paul's kind of instruction to the church, I want to go back and look at what do we learn by Paul by way of example. I think that we should be encouraged uh, this morning. Like I said, this is a very personal appeal. He's kind of like bouncing here and there, and he's pleading, he's almost begging, and he's He's perplexed. Oh, I can't go there yet. I only did the first part about zeal. Forgive me. We are going to look at the last couple verses there after, after zeal. 19? Thank you. Next column over. My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. You know, we will come back to that when I talk about Paul. I'm going to kind of stay away from that one. I kind of feel like, I mean, I'm not really, as a man, I'm like not really like willing to go there. Like, I'm in, the, I'm in like, in, it's like I'm in labor pains for you, you know, and I'm like, I just feel like I can hear my wife, you don't know what labor pain is. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Paul, he was willing to go there. He's like, yeah, I'm in like labor pains. And I just was like, I don't know. I wonder how many women were like. <laughs> no, but, but he is deeply invested, and we're going to talk about this uh, right now. And so if we're going we're gonna to go back and look at this Paul's example as a, as a way of encouragement, because... I think that all of us are just like him in a sense. 
I think that all of us have loved somebody so much that we wanted to influence them, whether it was to teach them or to inspire them to maybe to dream bigger for themselves or to move beyond their, their present situation. Or you wanted them to grow in their like, awareness or their ability to do something or strength of character. And I actually know that so many of us here can think of somebody that we've, we've, we've loved and we've, we've poured into and our heart was for them. And we're just going to walk through this with that per- perspective and see what it was like to, to be Paul. Because, I, mean, I mean, even if, like, I was thinking about these different ways, you know, and like, yeah, sure, as a pastor, I've had conversations where I'm like trying to like communicate things and see people. But like, um, I was thinking about like, sports, like coaches, Anybody ever been a coach? And, you know, you're trying to teach kids, you know, uh, behavior or attitude or how to think about something. An educator, teachers, any teachers in in here, you know, and you've got this group of students and you're trying to um, bring them from point A to to point B. Think of a a physical therapist, you know, where you're, you're really trying to get somebody to move past something that's set them back and you're, and, you know, and you're, watching them go, th- go through this, and you're making them hurt on their way. And um, a counselor, you know, is you're, you're listening, you're guiding through someone through some, some stuff in their past, some, some pain that they didn't uh, ever get to process, and you're, you're taking this journey. A parent, a parent's doing this a lot, you know what I mean? And uh, you get through, I mean, some of these, these are like relationships that, extend beyond the moment, you know what I mean, the, the passing, these are sometimes extended opportunities where, where your heart is, is burdened for these people for, for a long, long time, and um, so there's an encouragement for us in here in that regard, and so from the first uh, section, verses like 8 to 11, um, when we talked about Paul trying to tell them like to, to keep your freedom. But we hear Paul say, basically the point here, we, we don't want our ministry effort to be in vain, right? Like I use the word ministry in quotes. We don't want this, this outpouring of our, our love to just go wasted. And so here you see Paul saying some of these things. He says at the end of that section, I fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. And I think that some of us have been there and, and been fearful of that. Like, look what I've, like, I've been pouring out for all this time, and it's like you're just going, you're just going back. You're just rejecting everything that we were working on, everything that I've taught you, and you're just throwing it away. Like, I mean, and then you start to, what a waste. But I want to point out, he says, I'm fearful for you. I'm fearful for you. And that's the challenge. And when we get into that place and we start to introspect, but we got to remember that, you know what? It's about them, you know? And that's got to be the biggest thing that is on our hearts. It's about them and not the labor of our love and, and what we've 
given. You know what I mean? We give that freely. And uh, God's going to be the one that has to, to convince these Galatians to, to, to hold on to Jesus Christ. And God's going to have to be the one that takes your love and your, your outpouring and, and make it bear fruit, take roots and, and begin to change those that you are loving. The second one I want to talk about, Galatians 4, the next section is 12 to 16. And I want to suggest that we press on despite opposition and setback and trial. And here's Paul. And he's got this terrible, his eyes are pussing. Um, he's got this thing going on that we don't understand. It was a real physical ailment that was debilitating. And, 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 here's Paul, and he's trying to carry God's message. He's trying to carry this gospel to these people. He's trying to see Christ formed in, in those that he's been ministering to. And, and he's got what we, he describes as a, a thorn in his side, a thorn in his flesh. And we, you know, like, we, with such good intentions, and our heart just goes out for these people, and, and the people maybe in your life that you're thinking about, and, and you're like, you, you want so much good for them, you know, and then you just see, you know, and you start going through trial, you start going through, and there's setback, and there's, there's confrontation, and then there's conflict, and then they don't, they don't see it the way that you see it. They start to, they start to despise the messenger, you know what I mean? They start getting resentment. You're like, what do I do? What do I do now? You know what I mean? And like, so do, am I going to back off and not say anything? Or am I going to continue? And so I don't know where it touches you, but we, we press on. Despite opposition and setback and trial for them, it's, it's, it's deep. It's not just like, I've got some information. I want you to get it. And we'll part ways. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he says, that's where he says in this section, my children, I'm again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. His desire is so, so deep for them to, to know Christ and to have Christ become their focus and Christ to be their freedom and the and the the source of their their joy and their their confidence and their fruit and everything emanating from Christ and you got these people who are coming in with just a different message just weighing them down and enslaving them again to a set of behaviors and self-help when he's trying to say but you guys have the spirit now if the sun sets you free you are free indeed my favorite passage, 2 Corinthians 3, 18 to 20, and he's like, and all of this is from the Spirit. And he wants them to realize and remember, what you need is the Spirit. Anyway, Paul's love for them is, is deep, and that's encouraging, because after a little while, we start to build some walls around our heart. You get burnt enough times, you know what I mean? or rejected enough times, and you start to just close yourself off. And we got to keep our, our hearts out there. we got to stay soft towards those that we're loving, towards those that we're ministering to, to those that are 
God has, for whatever reason, put in your life for you to care for. And so, by way of closing, we're going to read a section out of, out of 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, it might be on the screen. And I feel like it kind of encapsulates both Paul's affection and also kind of points to, like, the, the, the last thing that I want to say, I guess, about that is, is prayer. We love deeply from the heart, and, and prayer is, is where you have to go to because that's where, like, Paul says, I don't know what to do. What are we going to do with you? And pretty much, well, what does Paul do? He writes a letter, and he argues, like, he, he gives this, he gives it, and he warns, and he says, if you'd go that way, I mean, and he, he's logically explaining this through an argument, and then he's like, and then it changes. You know, we just saw, he's like, he's pleading. I'm like, listen, just, you know, and he's like trying to like down on their level, and he's like, do it for me. <laughs> kind of, a, and I'm just thinking, like, Paul's done everything that he can, and he gets to this point, you know what I mean? He lays out for them the next part of our, our book, and I'm excited about the next several uh, pass, sections of passage of our, of our book. He lays out the, a better way forward, or this is no longer a warning and a defensiveness, but it's like, but this is what life looks like. Here's life in the Spirit. Here's what you should be doing. Here's what you should be focused on. Here it is. And so Paul does all that. He warns, and he shows them a better way, and, 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 and his perplexity, and his place of being so perplexed, he goes, he prays. That's what I want to read. First uh, Thessalonians um, at verse 1. We always thank God for all of you. Continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he's chosen you. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't even need to say anything about it. They themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So Paul, there is... I, I like that for a lot of reasons, and, and I'm out of time to dive into it, but I think it, it stands on its own. But Paul's joy in his ministry uh, for those that he's caring for, the intensity, and his willingness to live out his faith in front of them, and uh, just this picture of, I guess, of success. You know what I mean? And I feel like this is the same kind of success that he had uh, early on with the Galatians. In the Galatians church, they were living it. They were, they were walking in it. They were enjoying it. And that's why he's so frustrated that they left this. They were leaving that behind. You know what I mean? 
and they were, just, they were willing to just be swayed to get their eyes off of Jesus. We're going to close now. I do want to mention, as we close, as I pray in a second, that that passage I just read is where we get our mission statement. That's what we want to be. We want to raise up passionate followers of Jesus Christ who live by faith and who are known by love and who are a voice of hope in our world. And uh, I'm excited about our announcements that are um, going to be coming up here. Next. Is that the next thing? Nope. We're going to have communion, and then we're going to um, be in the do one more song. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to pivot real quick and, and just say with our kids, that's our, that's our passion as well, is to raise up a generation just like Paul's desire was to see formed in them a love for Jesus Christ. And I want to, with you, we want to raise up a resilient generation, a resilient generation of passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all, that's what we're all doing here. You're here because you, you want to passionately follow Christ, and, and we celebrate that. And I feel like Paul, uh, his joy uh, in, in praying for you and us, I want to pray for us right now as we close and, and ask God to, to keep us focused on Jesus. So will you, will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage, Lord, where Paul is just so desperately uh, pleading, doing all he can to keep this church, to keep the church focused on you, Jesus, and to keep them anchored to their freedom and holding on to their freedom and not willing to let it go, not willing to let their eyes wander and their hearts go to other places, Lord. And we are encouraged because Paul was so focused on this mission, so focused that it infected his heart and his whole body, and he was, he was consistent in this. God, I, we're just encouraged by Paul, and Lord, we share in this desire, God, for people that are around us to know you and to walk in the freedom that you have offered us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us the endurance, Lord, to continually love and to point to your grace and to your truth. Show us how to do that. May we be a salt, may we be a light in this community. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing at Crossroads Church, and I thank you for how you are working in the leadership team and among the pastors and all the, uh, all the ministry people who are leading ministries. Uh, and we, we do have one mind, Lord. We are of one mind, and that's we want to see you glorified, and we want to see your church grow to your glory. So, Lord, we've been on a journey, Lord, and things have been hard, Lord, and we, we've, we've just, we've, pressed on we've chosen to continue on lord and we desire to see fruit for your kingdom we desire to see people to know you and to walk in the love and the freedom that you have for them and so i I pray for crossroads church lord that your light would shine lord that we as 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 your children we would encourage each other as we grow up into maturity but we would be willing to love deeply those that you bring to us, that you've called us to serve, those that are in this community, those that are in our households, those that are in our sphere of influence. God, we lay all these things at your feet. We thank you for your goodness. Amen.